Good afternoon. I've got great news. It is Monday, the best day of the week, and you are listening to More Morning Lines with Crystal Clear. Today's episode is going to be a great one. We're going to start on the fringe and work our way in trying to find answers to what causes Morgulon's disease. So please don't change the station. Those of you who lack imagination, you see anything can happen on a Monday. That's right. Anything can happen on a Monday. The week's brand new for me and you. Anything can happen on a Monday, best day of the week. Brand spanking new with a fresh morning to do. Monday, y'all celebrate. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As many times as I have Googled the word morgulons and other related terms with it, I cannot believe that I have never found this paper by a Chinese author from 2012 that really touches on some of the themes that I personally suspect are involved in the etiology and pathology of Morgulon's condition or Morgulon's disease. I found so many things about this article interesting, but one of the most interesting things is the fact that this author, Chen Yung Yan, I'm probably totally slaughtering that pronunciation. But um, yes, Chun Young Yan, who published this in uh, 2012, this paper in 2012 in the Clinical Medicine Insights Dermatology. Uh, She is from Hong Kong. Um, First point of interest, she renames Morgellons, kind of like I have renamed Morgellons or Morgellons to Morgellons. She renamed it to Yan disease. I guess because we're so tired and we're just like, no, just kidding. Y-A-N, like her last name, which is pretty ballsy. I mean, I would name Morgulon's crystal disease because obviously there are crystal Morgulons, but I'm not that narcissistic. And I think maybe possibly her name works better, Yan, because apparently in Chinese, as a girl's name, it means pretty colors. It can also mean I look, small hole, trap, key point, intraocular. Um, But pretty colors is decent because Morgulons are pretty colors. I will say that, these little motherfuckers. They are quite colorful, at least in my home and in my body. But anyway, what I find interesting about that is the name change because a lot of times in medicine and culture at large, when a word or name gets um, appropriated to signify something that is 
no longer reflective or representative in an accurate way of what the term is, what it describes, or when it's become out of sync with the current cultural values and mores. Um, A great example would be um, the term mental retardation. My mother was a social worker and an administrator for state government and the social work department. And the department used to be called the Department of Mental Retardation, and now it is called um, the Department of Intellectual Disability. So um, because that word retardation has taken on a negative connotation, um, just like Morgulans has taken on a negative connotation to where it is pretty much synonymous with delusions of infestation, um, so it is kind of, in my opinion, and especially since the Morgulans that we have, quite honestly, doesn't really sound like harsh hairs uh, that amuse old English guys, um, and we're not children. So I don't know that Morgulans is, in fact, the Morgulans of today is in any way related to the children of Languedoc that were called Morgulans that Sir Thomas Brown was so freaking amused by because he's a freaking sadist, I guess. The, uh, the term Morgulans, in my opinion, and in this author's opinion, for that reason should be probably changed at some point. Um, especially once we find and confirm and validate um, through repeated experiments the true origin or origins of this condition, which I feel like this paper goes a long way in doing. Let's get right into it, y'all. Okay, like I said, the paper was written, or published rather, in 2012. Um, It was published in the Clinical Medicine Insights Dermatology uh, Journal, I guess, and there's also uh, something on this, like a watermark on this page. It's open access. It's on morgulansdiseaseawareness.com. That's the website if you want to check this out. Libertas Academica. Freedom to Research. So I don't know if this is like a French press or if it's an accepted peer-reviewed uh, press. We can look into that. Um, I'm not going to read the abstract. I like to jump right in. Um, so yeah, May 2012. Introduction. This article describes the etiological organism causing a new human infection, i.e. yawn, Morgulans disease. The main symptoms reported by patients are crawling, biting, stinging, and, quote, shooting sensations from the skin. Colored threads, black speck-like material, and granules found in and on the skin have been reported as unexplained cutaneous syndromes. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention launched an investigation into the unexplained dermopathy, also called Morgulans, but no common underlying medical condition or infectious source was identified. So this came out post the publication of the CDC's review. Interesting. The term Morgulans was first used in 1674 by Sir Thomas Brown, blah, blah, blah. The term Morgulans disease and or Morgulans syndrome was coined in 2002 by Mary Lado uh, as a practical, quote, placeholder because of its dermal similarity to the Morgulans disorder described by Brown. However, the exact relationship between Morgulans described by Brown and the term Morgulans disease as a practical, quote, placeholder used today is unknown. Certainly, the Morgulans fibers drawn by Ed Mueller in 1682 looks quite different from the organism described in this paper. They are not the same organism and thus are not the same disease. I kind of tend to agree, um, at least preliminarily. um, I agree. The the drawings by Ed Mueller look not really like anything I've seen except for the one that looks like a scabies mite. I have seen something that looks like a scabies mite. But otherwise, no. The things that I see are like the things that are in the images of this great paper. So, case report. 
Okay, so we're going to hear a story about one more Golan's guy. That's what a case report is, right? In 1992, a 33-year-old Chinese male from Hong Kong studying in the U.S. traveled in South America and was infected with Morgulon's disease in southern Brazil. So I don't know how they determine that the infection was in South America and Brazil as opposed to where he studied in the U.S., but maybe that'll be explained later. His symptoms include a range of cutaneous problems, including crawling, biting, and stinging sensations, finding fibers on or under the skin, and a persistent skin rash and sores. Initially, he had developed small lesions on his legs um, and multiple skin lesions without ulceration subsequently appeared at various sites over his body. That is how the first patient in the case series in Atlanta that I am a part of began. Uh, patient zero in this uh, triad, he started exactly like that, developed small lesions on his legs and multiple skin lesions without ulceration, um, appeared subsequently at various sites over his body. So yeah, that's familiar. Surgical biopsies yielded relatively nonspecific pathological findings, including for a series of special strains for exotic infectious organisms. Right, because again, uh, you can only identify through testing what you have tests for. So if you had tried to test somebody that happened to have coronavirus somehow in 2018 or something before we even knew there was a coronavirus, you could have tested, um, you could have done that quote everything panel that my dermatologist seems to believe exists. Um, and if it did exist, you could test for everything and you still wouldn't come up with it um, because it was a new organism, a new pathogen in human health. So just making that point. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason why you're not finding anything. Uh, so surgical biopsy, they, they did show some mild inflammation. Uh, these, this is the biopsy did, uh, the, the stains they did. Um, so the, the histological, the histopathological uh, samples they took, they stained them and they looked at them and they did show some mild inflammation, a mild increase in mast cells and subtle changes in the nerves, which could have accounted at least in part for his symptoms and recent significant fibrosis. Um, remember in the CDC study, mild inflammation, mild increase in mast cells, subtle changes in there. I mean, this is, this is concordant with what they found. A lesion on his right palm showed a central atrophy surrounded by a rim of marked hyperkeratosis. Uh, hyperkeratosis, keratin are skin cells. So hyper means a lot. So lots of skin. So, so probably like built up you know, like a thickened skin uh, around the central atrophy. So a central depression uh, in the area of the lesion with around that hyper thick skin. KOH digestion of the hyperkeratotic surface was negative for fungus, but did show some micro hemorrhages. So KOH test for candida albicans, that's the same kind of yeast that causes a yeast infection, ladies. Also known as potassium hydroxide preparation or KOH prep is a quick and expensive fungal test to, to differentiate dermatophytes. So like mites, like Demodex, the, the little mite that causes uh, rosacea, they think, or, <clears throat> you know, anything like that. So to differentiate between yeast, the candida albicans, and the dermatophytes symptoms. Dermatophytes would be like the tinea, like the things that cause ringworm and jock itch and all those fun freaking uh, skin infections, right? So basically she's just saying, hey, we did this fungal test called the KOH and it came up negative for a fungal infection. Okay, that's all it means. Okay, where were we? Um, yeah, okay, so... 
She said it was a KOH digestion of the hyperkeratotic surface was negative for fungus, but did show some micro hemorrhages. Micro hemorrhages. There was hyperpigmentation of the epidermis in some areas. So hyper again just means a lot and pigmentation is a lot. So it was darker pigmentation of the skin in some areas. The patient was diagnosed as having a fungal infection of unknown origin and was treated empirically with antifungal azole drugs, meaning any drug that ends with the letters A-Z-O-L-E. Um, like clotrimazole is one that's really popular for like ringworm and jock itch and yeast infections and stuff. Monostat 7 is a type of azole uh, drug, you know, antifungal, anti-yeast. <clears throat> so anyway, so she's saying they treated it empirically, just kind of like we are going to see if an antifungal works on it. If it does, then it's probably fungus of an unknown origin. Okay. So that's all she's saying. Um, even though serology, remember, so the blood test of the serum for histoplasma antibody, cochidoides antibody, and latex agglutination test for cryptococcal antigens were negative. So they tested the serology after they spun the blood, the clear stuff on the top, that's the serum, they tested that, um, and they couldn't find histoplasma, they couldn't find cockadoides, and they couldn't find cryptococcal. So basically, she's saying these were negative tests because those all three that we just said with the weird names are uh, pathogens that are known. So the antifungal drug fluconazole was initially prescribed at 200 milligrams once a day and was then increased to 400 milligrams once a day for two to three months. So uh, ladies will know about this. If you ever go to the doctor and they give you an antibiotic, uh, sometimes they might give you one dose of diflucan uh, to take to prevent yeast infection associated with antibiotics. Um, so that's what that diflucan is. It's the fluconazole. Um, and this dude was taking it twice a day, every day for two to three months. Um, that stuff never works for me, you guys. Mm-mm. That one dose of uh, diflucan, Mm-mm. nope, still going to get the yeast infection. Sorry, too TMI, but yeah, I would recommend using the topical cream, ladies. Um, so anyway, the antifungal drug fluconazole was initially prescribed, blah, blah, blah. Most of the lesions cleared up and the skin changed from a deep color back to his normal color. So they did an empirical you know, dosage of an antifungal to see if it would work. And it really was effective. It had some effectiveness because his lesions cleared up and the skin changed from a deep color back to his normal color. The itchy feeling was not as intense or frequent. So we've got symptom relief. We've got sign uh, mitigation. So signs are objective, symptoms are subjective, right? Um, So the signs are reduced, the symptoms are reduced. So empirically speaking, the there is some effectiveness from antifungal treatment. Most of the lesions cleared up and the skin changed back. The itchy feeling was not as intense. Unfortunately, the patient became sensitive to fluconosal. Uh, the treatment had to be stopped and the symptoms returned within a few months, but to a lesser degree. The newer antifungal azole drug voriconazole might have been a better choice than fluconazole for suppressing the organism given that the azole antifungal drugs have the adverse effect of driving the fibrous root form of the organism that's the morgulon she's talking about she's saying there's a fibrous root hooking morgulon i know i've seen that guy in my house so when they take the anti-azole fungal anti-fungal drugs um, one of the adverse effects of taking the drug is that it brings the morgulons onto the skin surface Um, and she says comma putting others at risk of infection by the seed form produced by the fibrous 
root form of the organism. So she's saying the root-looking morgulon produces seed-looking morgulons, and when those come to the surface as an after-effect of taking an antifungal drug, it's not good because that person could be contagious at that point because she thinks that the seeds are contagious to others through, I guess, direct skin-to-skin contact, which, given the case series in Atlanta of three people, which I have now positively identified as being all three affected, all three caught morgulons, all three still have morgulons symptoms. I've visualized it personally with aided and unaided visualization and assessment of, uh, we'll call him patient zero, my ex. Um, But yeah, so there was some question I know when I started this podcast as to whether all three of us had actually caught morgulons. We definitely all three did and all three still have it. So it is probably contagious. Other classes of medication with different antimicrobial mechanisms should be used if possible. Atypical antipsychotic drugs, quiatapine and olanzapine, that's Seroquel and Zyprexa brand names, show activity against the organism with unknown mechanism. Well, considering that's totally counterintuitive for a non-delusional disorder, non-psychotic disorder, I'm going to need to see the citations, the evidence, and the source for that claim. Sorry, Jan. Direct skin-to-skin contact should be avoided as far as possible. Um, Yeah, I mean, when, for how long, uh, you know, is this only contagious to genetically susceptible individuals? Is the transmission primarily skin-to-skin or how much of a role does environment play? Because I know at least one person in my triad of case series uh, in Atlanta for Morgulons did not get it from skin-to-skin. Uh, they got it from environmental contamination of bed linens. So, um, yeah, these questions are still not answered, guys. Needing more research. And open-ended avoidance of direct skin-to-skin contact with other human beings is uh, not exactly actionable medical device that any healthy, sane person would um, be able to follow Unless you, you know, like put us all on a leper morgulon colony and um, ladies, I'm sorry, but there's going to be some stiff competition since we seem to outnumber the men by about, um, you know, whatever, five to one or something. I mean, I'm ambidextrous, so it doesn't matter to me, but you know. With fluconazole, numerous brownish spots appeared on the skin of the thighs, which had previously been itchy. A detailed biopsy study was done on one of these spots and a diagnosis was made of chronic dermatitis with granuloma, probably infectious with the cause not determined. She doesn't say why she says probably infectious. I would like to know that. Um, chronic dermatitis with granuloma, that was what basically the CDC found. It was reported that a few fine black round to rod-shaped bodies were also noted on the H&E uh, sections only of uncertain significance. These are the stained sections, the H&E sections. These round rod-shaped bodies might have been related to the tube-shaped fibrous form of the organism. There was also, quote, focal necrosis and multiple apparently empty spaces. Focal necrosis means the skin had died. The tissue was dead, necrotic, uh, in a focal, so focused areas. Uh, these spaces might reflect the organism having migrated to the skin surface and left behind multiple apparently empty spaces within the skin tissue. So they're saying it's, you know, the morgies, they're moving through your skin up to the top and they are eating their way there. And, um, 
I guess since yawn possibly, at least according to Google in Chinese, could also in English mean a little hole, that'd be another reason for uh, switching the name of Morlans to Yawn's disease. I don't know. Uh, more yawns, more yawns. That sounds like a really boring show, but we might have to do it someday. Who knows? Anyway. The next section is the discussion section, probably the most interesting section of this paper. Um, I think what I'm going to do is pick up there tomorrow because I need to dedicate some time today to my ongoing job search. I still have not found anything. um, And that is because the perfect job is still waiting for me to apply to it. And boy, will they be happy once I do. Uh, wish me luck. Not that I need it because I am manifesting my destiny with positive self-talk, y'all. Um, and a great work ethic and a passion for nursing. So if you're listening, hiring managers, just, you know, leave me a message. I'm free for the time being. Thanks for listening so much, everyone. Uh, stay healthy, wealthy, and wise, and stay tuned.